And now, here's Dr. Mike. Hi, friends. Thanks for joining me today for this episode. Going to be talking about critical race theory. Many Americans are familiar with the phrase. They're not familiar with the contents of the phrase. And that is working against us. It's working against freedom and liberty-minded Americans. It's working against those of us who want to see America prosper. And it is high time that Christians, especially pastors, come to grips with what critical race theory really is and begin to teach those that have been entrusted to their spiritual watch care that critical race theory is a demonically inspired cancer that will destroy, will destroy America and will infect and harm much of the church if we don't stand up and stop it. I was uh, reading an article on the OregonScholars.org website, OregonScholars.org website. I'll put that website in the show notes, by the way. An article took me to this website, but I found something else that I thought, well, I'm going to share this first before I get into critical race theory, because this shows the underbelly, the foundation of of what we see advancing all through corporations, the corporately owned media, through our educational system. This article entitled The New Censorship in American Higher Education, Insights from Portland State University. And this was penned and is posted on the Oregon Association of Scholars on their website. It is a report of Oregon Association of Scholars. It's dated 27 April 2021. Here's the executive summary. American higher education has been gripped by a moral panic since the January 6th, 2020 Capitol riot. Can you believe they're using that? Well, they are. They're using that as the excuse or the reason to advance their, well, it's demonic, Marxist, progressive, however you want to define it, comes straight out of the pits of hell. But higher education has been gripped by a moral panic since the January 6, 2021 Capitol riot, one that adds to the moral panic that ensued after the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis in May 2020. Faculty and administrators have made use of both events to impose restrictions on academic freedom and free speech in the name of combating systemic racism and stopping mob violence. Really? <laughs> that is, is such Orwellian doublespeak. They speak out of one side of their mouths, but they're actually doing the exact opposite. These same progressives and Marxist folks were all for very supportive of all of these riots and the destruction of, of businesses, of private property, uh, even of violence towards innocent people. These same academic egghead progressive leftist Marxists were all in favor of that, but now they're in a panic over, over the concocted and delusional, purposely deceitful narrative that has been 
raised up about the January 6th, 2021 Capitol event. But I digress. In March, Portland State University imposed restrictions on the ability of faculty members to criticize the work of other faculty members or departments. Justified in the name of protecting academic freedom, the restrictions offer administrators a new tool with which to censor the already vanishingly small number of voices that dissent against illiberal orthodoxies on campus. The new censorship goes a step further. It denies academic freedom to voices deemed racist. Portland State President Stephen Percy refers to this as a new status quo. Since then, Portland State has engaged in an ongoing assault on free speech and academic freedom, including the introduction of a new equity framework. Now, I'll be talking about equity in another context here in just a moment or in relation to another article. Equity is a key word that that the left and the progressives are using and, and one of the things that you're going to notice, friends, is that the progressives, the Marxists, the Luciferians in our midst, they use words that are fairly innocuous, that, that we think they're, they're, they're ambivalent, they're, they're um, well, fair, balanced, harmless. Who could possibly oppose these concepts? But what we find out when we do a, just a cursory amount of investigation and research is that the definitions of the words that they're using are pretty much the opposite. They don't really mean what they want you to believe it does. So, Portland State introducing this new equity framework to root, root out racist thought crimes on campus. Now, that speaks to another term, and and again, I'll get to this in in a moment. Systemic racism. It's just accepted that it exists. Evidence is not necessary. Everybody knows it exists. (laughs) Reminds me of Hans Christian Andersen's The Emperor's New Clothes. By serving to eliminate once and for all any remaining viewpoint diversity on college campuses, this assault on academic freedom in the name of academic freedom, which brings to fruition a a 50-year transformation of this typical American university into fundamentalist cult has implications well beyond higher education. So what's at stake? The Oregon scholars detail exactly what's at stake. Threats to American liberties and constitutional foundations have often emerged from colleges and universities where radical and utopian ideas flourish unconstrained from the normal give and take of practical society. Since most Americans spend time raising their families, working hard and contributing to their communities, the ideas that take root in higher education and then spread to K-12, through as well as to the public and private sectors, appear out of nowhere as fate's accomplice. In the wake of the January 6th Capitol riot, a new wave of activism has risen up on campus that goes beyond the informal censorship of unpopular viewpoints. It seeks to explicitly deny freedoms of speech and publication to voices deemed racist or nativist or unwoke. The new censorship may not be readily apparent to the average American, who wishes to be left alone to live his life in dignity. 
But that wave threatens to swamp American society by completely eliminating viewpoint diversity from key cultural institutions. This report from the Oregon Scholars Association that I'm sharing from right now details the emergence of the new censorship in American higher education by tracing its evolution at one state university, Portland State in this example, Americans should prepare to defend their liberties against this new assault on their basic freedoms. So so my point in introducing critical race theory through this article is that the university's public education is being overrun with this idea that racism is systemic in America. Now, What does that mean exactly? Well, if you want to understand the current cancel culture in America, you have to understand critical race theory because cancel culture is a result of critical race theory. And really, what it boils down to, friends, critical race theory is really a cult of anti-white Bigotry, racism, resentment. It is demonic hatred toward an entire people group based on a total fabrication. That's exactly right. Now let me share, and and here's an article many, many years ago that, uh, well, I had stored in, in my electronic library, and I pulled it out just for this conversation. Emory Law professor Dorothy Brown offered the following definition of critical race theory. She said, critical race theory seeks to explain judicial decisions by asking the question, what does race have to do with it? Critical race theory simply looks at race in America. Now, Professor Brown was being intentionally dishonest. Because that's a bit like saying a religious zealot just looks at theology. You see, critical race theorists don't merely look at racial questions. Like like religious zealots, they give answers. They preach a doctrine, they seek converts, and they condemn non-believers. That's why black people that speak up against critical race theory are called Uncle Toms and worse. Critical race theory is the primary source, folks, of hate speech, of cancel culture, of all of these insane things that are going on in America today. Critical race theory has its roots in the same rotten tree, same rotten foundation of satanic Marxist ideology. Professor Brown was asked a question, and the question was whether or not critical race theory is all about white supremacy. And Professor Brown, again, lied and said, no, it's nothing about white supremacy. It has nothing to do with white supremacy. Yet, Professor Brown was lying because she has stated in her books what role 
She believes white supremacy plays in critical race theory. Here's what she wrote. She said, critical race theory, quote, seeks to highlight the ways in which the law is not neutral and objective, but designed to support white supremacy and the subordination of people of color. (laughs) She then cites Emily Howe, who defined critical race theory thusly. She's Howe, whom Brown quoted, said this, First, critical race theory seeks to expose the entrenchment of white supremacy and the reality of the continued subordination of people of color in the United States and throughout the world. Now, my question would be for Professor Brown, if I ever have an opportunity to speak to her face-to-face, is how could you make this comment that it absolutely has nothing to do with it, it's nothing about white supremacy, and yet you wrote exactly the opposite? Well, you see, folks, this is how... The Marxists, leftist progressives operate. They're, they're, they're just like the Muslims when they, when they subscribe or ascribe the doctrine of, I'll tell you to your face what you want to hear, but the reality of it is something else. And my doctrine allows me to lie to you blatantly. And that's fine. That is fine in my system of reality. That's Marxism and progressivism. Right there. Now, according to the Derek Bell Reader, a book edited by critical race theory proponent Richard Delgado, critical race theory's founding members are Professor Delgado himself, Derek Bell, Kimberly Crenshaw, Marie Matsuda, Charles Lawrence, and Patricia Williams. Now, following This is just a flavor of the doctrine that they transmit to countless students every day. Keep in mind that these are relatively tame assertions by critical race theory standards, and all are taken from assigned readings. And again, folks, I am am sharing information from an article that uh, John Bennett wrote several years ago entitled Critical Race Theory, A Cult of Anti-White Resentment. The late Derrick Bell, a Harvard and New York University law professor tied to the president, that would be President Obama, wrote that critical race theory goes well beyond civil rights, integration, affirmative action, and other liberal measures. Well, what is beyond those measures? Well, specifically, Derrick Bell calls for a commitment to radical emancipation by the law. He describes the unifying theme of critical race theory as being this. We use a number of different voices, but all recognize that racial subordination maintains and perpetuates the American social order. Bell proudly wrote that critical race theory is characterized by an orientation around race that seeks to attack a legal system which disempowers people of color. Now, what does it mean to disempower people of color? If an institution does not provide for explicit racial preferences and favoritism, it will be deemed to disempower people of color. Kimberly Crenshaw, a UCLA law professor, provides the much-needed feminist branch of critical race theory because focusing on race alone neglects the multidimensionality of black women's experiences. Now, 
what you're going to see in all of this and other places, friends, is that critical race theory also supports, undergirds, all of the demonically inspired sexual depravity, deviancy known as transgenderism, and all of those dephorias, those diphorias, and, and um, well, they're right out of the pits of hell. So Crenshaw talks about the multidimensionality of black women's experiences. Black women are multiply burdened. That's, that's her word, her phrase she used. Since patriarchy is yet another source of domination to which black women are vulnerable. Of course, the social experience of race creates both a primary group identity as well as a shared sense of being under collective assault. In response to the awful collective assault of living in America, Kimberly Crenshaw has a policy recommendation at the ready. She calls for economic or social reorganization that directly empowers and supports her most favored group, single black mothers. Not just mothers, not just single mothers, but single black mothers. Now, for Richard Delgado, a Seattle University law professor, American society remains deeply afflicted by racism. Delgado writes that because they constantly hear racist messages, minority children, not surprisingly, come to question their competence, intelligence, and worth. Indeed, racial insult and mere words, whether racial or otherwise, can cause mental, emotional, or even physical harm to their target. Delgado argues that hate speech is a severe social problem and that such speech, along with other tools of racism, keeps minorities in an inferior position. Thus, words that are highly insulting and have a racial component should be grounds for a lawsuit against the speaker. Again, do you understand now cancel culture? Maria Matsuda, a Georgetown law professor, who also insists that part of the special harm of racist speech is that it works in concert with other racist tools to keep victim groups in an inferior position. Matsuda posits that, quote, three identifying characteristics, unquote, of hate speech, which she proposes to regulate, Number one, the message is of racial inferiority. The fact that said message is, secondly, directed against a historically oppressed group. And the fact that said message is, thirdly, persecutorial, persecutorial, hateful, and degrading. Now, just what kind of speech would be considered racist under those guidelines? Well, One clue comes from Matsuda herself, who claims that righteous indignation against diversity and reverse discrimination is one of the implements of racism for upper-class whites. Now, let me repeat that. If you are upset, angry, about the -the off-the-chain push for diversity and highlighting the reverse discrimination that's going on, well... You're a racist. (laughs) The nightmarish possibilities, folks, of, of hate speech codes are obvious to anyone with the slightest grasp of human nature and politics, yet such codes are seriously considered as a legal reform in universities and particularly law schools. This is absolutely insane. 
Columbia law professor Patricia Williams offers a disturbing glimpse into the logic of critical race theory. Williams recounts the story of a hypothetical question that she was once asked to consider, where X and Y apply for a job with firm Z, which is all white. X and Y are equally qualified. One is black, the other is white. The question is asked who should get the job. Williams' answer is worth repeating at length as a window into an ideology that is not taken as seriously as it should be. The black person should get the job, Williams said. If the modern white man, innocently or not, is the inheritor of another's due, then it must be returned. Williams says, if a thief steals so that his children may live in luxury and the law returns his ill-gotten gain to its rightful owner, the children cannot complain that they've been deprived of what they did not own. Blacks have earned a place in this society. They have earned a share of its enormous wealth with physical labor and intellectual sacrifice as wages and as royalties. Blacks deserve their inheritance as much as family wealth passed from parent to child over the generations as they deserved inheritance. It is deserved as child support and alimony. So whites should collectively be treated as the children of thieves and blacks collectively deserve to, to have returned to them what was stolen from their black forebears by those white thieves. That, friends, is the seething, irrational ideology at the foundation of critical race theory. You must understand this. Now, I draw your attention to an article that appeared on the Gateway Pundit. Dot com, thegatewaypundit.com. And the date of this article was June 13th, 2021. Here's the title, the headline, Combating Social Justice Rhetoric, a Cheat Sheet for Policy Makers. Combating Social Justice Rhetoric, a Cheat Sheet for Policy Makers. And I'll have this link in the show notes as well. And this is what led me to the Oregon Scholars website because Dr. Bruce Gilley and Dr. Peter Baghazian wrote this, created this, this cheat sheet, and there is a graphic uh, for it that you are uh, able to download, post, use it uh, elsewhere. But this new graphic tool that they created reveals the truth behind social justice rhetoric of which critical race theory is one of the major, major themes. The vanguard of academic free speech published this, again, June the 13th. I call your attention to this. When the progressives and the Marxists say or use the phrase cultural competence, what they mean is cultural stereotyping, which is neo-racist indoctrination in critical race theory and an effective method with no basis in scientific evidence. So they're pushing for cultural con- competence, and, and what they mean by that is they want to educate and they are educating our children. They are re-educating our children. Cultural competence, they mean cultural stereotyping. And what that is, is indoctrination in critical race theory. 
which is neo-racism. It is an ineffective method with no basis in scientific evidence. When you hear people talk about environmental justice, what they mean is environmental issues are race issues, which is using environmental protection for unrelated political purposes. Now, we've known that for a long time. The so-called environmental emergencies, climate change, this, that, and the other thing, the most recent attempt at a political purpose as the driving factor behind our environmental crisis, they tried to, to implement a carbon tax. And I think in Canada, they've actually been successful to a degree. We're just for, for living, just for breathing, just for operating your motor, motor vehicle. And if, if you own a business, look out. You're going to be taxed for the pollution that you create. The, the carbon tax is just a, another grand monetary theft scheme. But environmental justice, they've tied it into race issues using the environment and allegedly the protection of the environment for political purposes. And it is a a grossly ineffective way to protect the environment because it has nothing to do with the environment. Have you heard the word decolonization? Decolonization. Well, what they mean by that is they want to remove every European influence. Every European influence. That means our German, French, English, Spanish, any national origin, Irish, Scottish, they want to remove that from American history, from the American conscience. It really is an attempt to delegitimize the U.S. as a colonial project, and they want to replace the universal equality of the universe of the European tradition with illiberal non-European traditions. This is all on the chart that um, the scholars uh, Bruce Gilley and uh, Dr. Peter Bohagzian has have uh, created. So decolonization is removing European influence. And what it really is is an attempt to delegitimize the U.S. as a colonial project. They want to replace the universal equality of the European tradition with illiberal non-European traditions. Now, you have heard the term systemic racism. What they mean by that is differences are always due to systems, which is an attribution of group differences to vague systems imposed by others. And it's an attempt to dismantle the freedoms and to forcibly redistribute public and private goods. How about that? Systemic racism. Critical race theory, what they mean is race-centered thinking, which is the view that racism is baked into the system and inescapable. That racism is present even if no one is racist and the view that all disparities in group outcomes are due to racist systems. Again, folks, this is information on the Gateway Pundit website, a June 13th article, Combating Social Justice Rhetoric, a cheat sheet for policy makers. 
Now, here's here's a major, major word, and they're playing a shell game with us on this word especially. When they say equity, what they mean is equality of outcomes, which is a violation of equality before the law. It is a dismantling of the foundations of a free society and state management of society, including reparations. If you want to understand the philosophical support for reparations, you need to understand critical race theory and social justice, which is actually the way the culture and these advocates define it is social injustice. Equity does not mean equality, folks. It means equality of outcomes. Equality. So they want to engineer all things to arrive at the outcomes that they desire, they being the government, those they being those in power and control who can influence the government. That's how life is today, isn't it? Equity is about the fairness of the opportunity. Everyone should have the opportunity to compete in any context in America. Social justice, so... When they say social justice, what they mean is group entitlements, which is a denial of social and cultural differences of just rewards to individuals who follow the law and act fairly. And it is the reframing of particular political demands as universal moral imperatives. When they say diversity, what they mean is an identity-based approach to society, which is a violation of individual identity. It is enforced political conformity, political quotas, and it's an attack on merit. And it is, in fact, a form of soft bigotry. When they say white privilege or supremacy, what they mean is European moral culpability, which is racist scapegoating, especially against economically disadvantaged Europeans. It is neo-racist scapegoating reborn as progressive group stereotyping. So, well, just one more maybe. Inclusion. Now, there are several others on here. But inclusion, when they use that word inclusion, what they mean is restricted speech and justification for purges, which is making people feel welcomed by banning anything they find offensive, that they find offensive. It is an attack on freedoms of association and speech. Now, there was an article that I found and I want to call your attention to critical race theory. It's a cancer, not a cure. This this appeared um, on the Christian Post website. And the date of this article is May the 4th, 2021. So I call your attention to it. I'll put it in the show notes as well. Critical race theory, it's a cancer, not a cure. Now, this was written by Ryan Bomberger. Ryan Bomberger. He says, uh, I'm half white and half black. My melanin doesn't change my worth or my propensity to sin. Yet we live in a culture where we are told that our skin color confers upon us a status that is fixed, assigned by an elite class of humans who call themselves scholars. They want us to see everything through the broken lens of race, a human construct that has only served to dehumanize us throughout history. As a person with brown skin, I reject my assigned status 
and refuse to see everything through that distorted prism. It leads to blindness. Instead, I choose to see through the breakthrough filter of Scripture that opens our eyes to the truth of our identity, the perfect bond of love, our oneness through Christ, and the freedom of forgiveness. Our human condition and the frailty that marks us can never be illuminated by the darkness of tattered theories. And that's exactly what critical race theory is. How can a theory derived from anti-Semites who were virulent racists, hell-bent on abolishing the family and religion, bring healing to the sin of racism? Karl Marx and Frederick Engels saw Christianity as an impediment to their socialist ideology. How can a godless theory be used as an analytical tool to address issues needing a godly solution? I'm particularly irked by Christians who don't want the struggle of wrestling with solutions, but simply hop aboard the latest bandwagon sponsored by an insanely profitable victimhood industry. Racism is evil, as is every other sin known to humankind. Sin diminishes and destroys us. It is a brokenness that cannot be remedied by more brokenness. But for many, the goal is not to offer a solution, but a continual subscription. Famed educator and leader Booker T. Washington, a former slave, explained this industry well on page 144 of his book, My Larger Education. Washington said this, There is another class of colored people who make a business of keeping the troubles, the wrongs, and the hardships of the Negro race before the public. Having learned that they are able to make a living out of their troubles, they have grown into the settled habit of advertising their wrongs, partly because they want sympathy and partly because it pays. Some of these people do not want the Negro to lose his grievances because they do not want to lose their jobs. End quote. Today, that class of people is of varying hues and New York Times bestsellers capitalize on a form of activism that seeks to divide us, erase equality, and offer forced redistribution in the form of equity. Dr. Carol Swain, the brilliant former black professor of political science and law at Vanderbilt University, offers a helpful definition of critical race theory. She said, and I quote, Critical race theory is an analytical framework to analyze institutions and culture. Its purpose is to divide the world into white oppressors and non-white victims. Instead of traditional forms of knowledge, it holds up personal narratives of marginalized minority victim groups, blacks, Hispanics, Asians, as evidence, considered irrefutably by its nature, of the dishonesty of their mostly white heterosexual oppressors, end quote. As someone who is biracial, I am both the oppressed and the oppressor, through no fault of my own, since no one controls the circumstances of his or her conception. I am foisted into perpetual perplexity simply based on the sins or the sufferings of my lineage. Just to further illustrate the absurdity of this deeply prejudiced critical race theory approach to classification, I can simply highlight my own origin story. I was conceived in rape. So am I responsible for my black biological father's heinous act? Of course not. Interestingly, my white father, 
who chose to adopt and love ten children of varying beautiful hues that other men abandoned, is branded as part of the white supremacist patriarchy that is guilty of every negative outcome of black Americans. My dad, Henry Bomberger, recently passed away. The only legacy he left behind was one of unconditional love and self-sacrifice. His devotion to us proved that it's not color that binds us, it's love. Despite Scripture's insistence on the unity of believers and how Christ makes us one, critical race theory diabolically separates us using the deeply flawed human construct of race. Ironically, in a culture that rejects the science of binary gender, the progressive priests of critical race theory demand we can only be the oppressed or the oppressors. How nihilistic. It also preaches perpetual guilt and undeserved privilege based solely on one's skin color. Fake guilt will never erase real problems. As Christians, we are all privileged to know and worship a God who could have merely condemned us but chose to redeem and rescue us. We are privileged to no longer be slaves to sin. We are privileged through Christ's strength to be more than conquerors. The Bible tells us to no longer conform to the pattern of this world in Romans 12.2. Yet this is exactly what we do when we embrace the warped worldliness of critical race theory. Blame, deceive, repeat. This destructive pattern is recognizable throughout Scripture. Satan is the accuser, and he constantly coaxes us to embrace the lie instead of the light. Critical race theory is a debilitating disease. Its malignancy in the body of Christ is spread by pastors who don't believe the word is enough. Some of these leaders apparently think the world has the answers to the temporal and eternal devastation of sin. Mainstream media gave voice to a handful of black pastors who support using critical race theory and several who left a major denomination over it. Pastor Charlie Dates of the Progressive Baptist Church in Chicago exited the Southern Baptist Convention over their seminary president's rejection of critical race theory despite their clear denunciations of the sin of racism. I thoroughly agree with their statement. I'm not a Southern Baptist, so I have no interest in defending a denomination, but merely want to uphold the truth. Pastor Dates, who embraces unbiblical black liberation theology and the Black Lives Matter movement, issued a defiant and historically challenged op-ed sharply condemning those who oppose critical race theory. He claims the rejection of critical race theory is due to fear of liberalism. I don't fear liberalism. I wholeheartedly disagree with it because of its dependence on deception and division. Dates strangely then attributed certain social movements to liberalism, a.k.a. the Democrat Party, such as abolition, women's suffrage, and civil rights. On all three, Republicans led the fight, but critical race theory and its advocates value feelings far more than facts. I don't think there's any more eloquent a pastor speaking about cultural issues and biblical authority than Pastor Vody Balkum. As a black adoptive father, he embodies what many Christians should aspire toward, godly character and critical thinking. He exposes and denounces critical race theory, not with emotionalism, like Pastor Charlie Dates, but with factualism. Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw, whom I mentioned earlier in this this broadcast, friends, 
credited as a co-founder of critical race theory, of course derived from Marxist critical theory, is a leading proponent of this poison. Never mind this accomplished black woman was the recipient of Ivy League education at Cornell and Harvard Law School. But you know, systemic racism. She sees it in everything. Well, except the abortion industry, which massively and disproportionately kills black lives. Crenshaw, who is radically pro-abortion, pro-LGBT, anti-nuclear family, and denies the clearly evident consequences of fatherlessness, blames racism for everything that victimizes black people and other marginalized groups. Her organization, the African American Policy Council, is holding an event featuring Crenshaw Brad Sears, who is the executive director of UCLA's dubious and radically pro-LGBT, the Williams Institute, and Planned Parenthood's president, Alexis McGill-Johnson, as keynote speakers. But sure, let's use critical race theory, an ideology that is hostile to Christianity in countless ways, as a means by which Christians should see the world. Critical race theory activists claim to fight for justice but regularly reject truth and morality. Psalm 89.14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. You cannot have justice without mercy, the compassion or forgiveness toward an offender and truth. To ignore this is to welcome a cancer instead of a cure. So again, friends, critical race theory is a cancer. We are seeing a sharp rise in violence, a very sharp rise in violence as a result of critical race theory and its adoption, not only by our government, which is pushing for critical race theory indoctrination of all federal employees, Colleges and universities are are following suit. This is going to be a huge, huge problem. In fact, let me correct that right now. It already is a huge, huge problem for the church. It's not going to be. It is. It is already that. I was blessed, however, to see and to watch recently a black doctor refuting critical race theory at a board meeting, a local board meeting in a small town in Illinois. I want you to listen to this. It's a very small audio portion. When you talk about critical race theory, which is pretty much going to be teaching kids how to hate each other, how to dislike each other, that's pretty much what it's going to that's pretty much all I can say. It's pretty much what it's going to all come down to. You're going to deliberately teach kids this white kid right here got it better than you because he white. You're going to purposely tell a white kid, oh, the black people are all down and suppressed. How do I have two medical degrees if I'm sitting here oppressed? How do I get, first of all, time up. Because I only got five minutes now. Not five minutes. Two medical degrees. No mom, no dad in the house. Work my way through college. Sat there and hustled my butt off to get through college. You're going to tell me somebody that looked like all y'all white folks kept me from doing that? Are you serious? What's sickening about this whole thing is what y'all doing right now is already something I do in my community right now to speak out against stuff because black folks are getting told by other black folks, oh, you know you ain't going to be able to do nothing out there in the world because them white folks ain't going to let you get no, oh, you know you're not going to be able to do it here because you know, white, the, the white man, the white man going to keep you down. Well, how did I get where I am right now if some white man kept me down? How am I now directing over folks that look just like you guys in this room right now? How? What, what, what kept me down? What oppressed me? I work for myself from off the streets to where I am right now. You're going to sit here and tell me this lie of critical race theory? 
Uh, this 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 the reason why black folks can't get ahead because of white folks? Are you kidding me? This is what we come to now. I can't believe we even talking about this right now. The last thing I'm going to say right here is something that's crazy. Martin Luther King said he wanted his kids to grow up in a world where they are judged by the contents of their what? Character. Their character, not their skin. Absolutely. If they let this stuff go on right now, it is absolutely doing the complete reverse of what he's doing. So when February comes, don't talk about Martin Luther King. When February comes, don't talk about black history. None of y'all going to sit there and just pee, pee on his grave with this nonsense. That's exactly what's about to happen. When it all comes down to it, the person that's going to be suffering from this, the ones going to be hurt from this, is the kids. Yeah. Ten years from now, if this stuff goes on, whose fault is it going to be? Whose fault is it going to be? Who are we going to look back on and blame for this? Because this is stuff we're talking about right now. This stuff is going on right now. I do this stuff on a daily basis. I'm in the hood. I'm in the communities. I'm out there with folks in their face. I've been doing this stuff since I was 18 years old, talking to black folks. And you know what? None of them are buying this nonsense. None of them are. But if you want to implement this into the school system, I guarantee you to the day that I die, I'm going to be the very person right there debunking stuff, tearing stuff down, letting them know they can do exactly what I did and get exactly where I am by putting themselves to work and getting there. And ain't not one white person ever going to keep any of them from getting there. So the CRT stuff, BS. So there you have it. People are not being deceived in the numbers that these these progressive Marxists hope that they are being deceived. I mentioned the violence that is escalating as a result of this kind of teaching. Just a few days ago, a video emerged, I believe it was in Chicago, of a, a man and his wife, I believe they were of Hispanic nationality pulled from their car by a mob of young black men and shot dead. What was their crime? Being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Friends, the church has simply got to rise up and combat this. Christians, we cannot simply ignore this. We cannot put our heads in the sand and pretend that it's going to go away. Because it isn't going to go away. It is here to stay. We have to learn how to respond to all of the social justice rhetoric. We have to understand the phrases and the words that they use have a very different meaning from what most people believe they mean. We have got to come to grips with the fact that America is under assault. There is a war going on today in America, a very deliberate war for the minds and the hearts of the American people. They are launching an all-out assault on our children. The recent rise of the demonic drag queen story hour was just a small, small piece of the overall puzzle. It was a distraction while they were busy doing other things, far more damaging. Not that not that normalizing our children to to pedophilia isn't an important front to 
battle to, to, to fight because it is. I'm not saying that. But it is an example. And did you, did you notice how many parents, friends, how many parents brought their children to those events? Absolutely stunning the number of parents who saw no issue and would allow their children to be exposed to that kind of debauchery. Now we have churches, friends, and this is something that we have got to come to terms with. We have churches that are welcoming this kind of thinking, this kind of ideology, critical race theory. It, it all falls under the, the umbrella of being woke. The wokesters are running rampant among us. And a lot of Christians want to ignore it. That's not an option. We don't have that choice to ignore it. Now, I'm one that believes that we need to unite with other Christians. We need to be united, not divided. There are many things that divide us that shouldn't. I believe that one thing that is going to divide us is whether or not we will stand in this hour. Will we stand against the things that are happening in our own nation or not? Because if we don't, friends, the nation that we knew, the nation that's on life support today, is going to have the respirator removed and going to be pronounced dead. It's already well underway. Now is the time to stand and do something about it. I would encourage you folks to check out my website. I'm transitioning and trying to make the Transforming Word Ministry the flagship for all broadcast efforts, and that includes this this program, many of the other things that I'm doing. TheTransformingWord.com if you want to be kept up to date with news and events and what's happening you can subscribe I believe it's at the bottom of the page subscribe it'll send me an email I'll add you to the email distribution list for news and events Kathy and I are involved in I do also want to uh, thank you for your support Thank you for your prayers. They are very much appreciated. I also want to let you know that um, the Bible and Prayer channel on davidhevner.tv uh, is available to subscribers. That's a weekly program um, that I do and um, going to start focusing on, on multi-part shows, themes um, coming up very, very soon. I will be doing a, a three-part teaching on the Mark of the Beast. So davidhevner.tv, uh, exclusive content there on the Bible and Prayer channel. Also, uh, Josh Peck's The Daily Renegade site. I have a show there, Renewing Your Mind, on uh, Josh's platform, the, the Daily Renegade, so you can go there and and that content is available for subscribers as well. 
And of course, keep up to date uh, with me on Rumble, on Brand New Tube, on uh, MeWe, uh, Brighteon, uh, BitChute, all those other social media platforms. Um, I have content there as well. And if you need to reach me, if you'd like to email conversation, discussion, questions, just say hi. Uh, feel free to do that. Um, drmichaelspalding at gmail.com. drmichaelspalding at gmail.com. Now, I'd like to hear your feedback on a couple of things. Kathy and I are are uh, creating a, a new and different uh, YouTube channel just for Bible teachings. Um, one of the things that uh, I have a burden to teach on right now is the Holy Spirit. So I'm wanting to, to do a series of teachings on a brand new YouTube channel, the Transforming Word Ministries uh, YouTube channel. But I'd like it to be um, live and I'd like it to be interactive. So I know there's chat sessions there uh, for folks that, that can join us and uh, ask questions, uh, whatever the case might be. So if you're interested in that, let me know by email, or you can let me know by the contact page, thetransformingword.com, thetransformingword.com. You can go there, contact form, send me an email, say, yeah, I'd love to love to participate in that uh, let me know when that's going to start and uh, and I'll certainly do that so friends thank you for for joining me today critical race theory is a very important thing that challenge really that we need to confront we if if we do nothing it is going to kill America kill America now it's not going to destroy the true church that can't happen we are a supernatural entity. Let that sink in. The church cannot be defeated. A good segment of the church has already been compromised. I'll admit that. But the true remnant body of Christ, those who know their God, who understand the times in which we live, and what needs to be done in this day, we cannot be defeated. So I want to encourage you, folks, even though we're in some dark days, don't be depressed, don't be in despair. Keep pressing into the Father. Keep exercising your faith. Be in the Word daily. Be in prayer daily. Commune with our Father daily. Seek Him, and the Scripture says what? You will find Him. Amen. Let me pray us out. Father, I thank you for this privilege to come together with brothers and sisters all over the world to share some thoughts on, on a subject that's very troubling. And yet at the end of the day, Lord, none of this surprises you. All of these developments and the, the convoluted thinking, the deliberate and planned strategy of undermining America by undermining its children, by ransacking and making of no effect 
our cultural institutions headlined by the church, your body. All of that is not a surprise to you. Those of us who see it happen, Lord, you've given us a burden and a passion to alert other people. And so thank you, Father, for enabling us to do that. Thank you, Lord, for expanding our footprint so that more and more will hear from you, your thoughts, your words, and we'll speak them, Lord. Father, if anyone is out there struggling today with a burden that is overwhelming them, I pray, Father, you would intervene and you would lift that burden from them. Father, those that are trapped in bondage of addiction, I pray for their release, Lord. I pray, Father, you'd bring them to a place where they will cry out to you for freedom and that, Lord, you would break that stronghold in their life. I thank you, Father, for the many that encourage Kathy and I on a regular basis. You know, Lord, we mentioned them by name in our in our personal prayers, and we thank you for each one of them. And we pray your favor and provision upon them, Lord. And we thank you for that. Father, for whatever time we have left as individuals or as your body, until the return of Jesus, may we be found laboring in the field that, as your word tells us, is wide into harvest. The harvest is now. The harvest is not coming. We understand, Lord. The harvest is now. And may we be busy in that harvest. Thank you for the privilege, Lord. Thank you for the provision and the equipping to do all these things. We love you, Father. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thank you, folks. Thank you so much for joining me today. Please share this program with with your friends, neighbors, family. Appreciate that very much. And as I always sign out with on the live show, and and by the way, you can join me on the live show, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Mondays. It's on social media. It's on uh, Mike Spalding YouTube channel. But I always sign off with this. Renewing our minds is not an option. And that is so very true, isn't it? We are commanded to renew our minds daily. Not to be transformed by the thinking of this world, but be transformed by Christ. Amen. God bless you guys. See you next time. Thank you for joining me today for this episode. Soaring Eagle Radio is a broadcast ministry of the Transforming Word Ministries. You may send correspondence or support donations to Dr. Mike Spaulding, P.O. Box 3007, Elida, E-L-I-D-A, Ohio, 45807. Again, Dr. Mike Spaulding, P.O. Box 3007, Elida, E-L-I-D-A, Ohio, 45807. You may also email me at the following email address, drmichaelspaulding at gmail.com. Again, drmichaelspaulding at gmail.com. Until next time, friends, may the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be multiplied to you.